you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. things look a little different because i just got back from a whirlwind trip to toronto very exciting what a beautiful town what a fun time uh lots going on I go to either Toronto or Chicago for my business class. And so most of the time I spent in a hotel right outside the airport um, learning and on long drives, listening to audiobooks. Very exciting. But I'm so glad to be back with you. My Wi-Fi is still spotty in the cottage. So you'll see I'm phoning in. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm recording here in my husband's office, which is filled with boxes, DVDs, and bare walls. It's an evolution, guys. It's It's been a more painful evolution than I'd hoped, but we are getting there slowly but surely. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're evolving, changing for the better, whatever that looks like for you. I wanted to let you know about my webinar. So a lot of you guys heard about it before, but I am doing a webinar on November 3rd, my very first one at 11 a.m. Eastern. It is for people who are interested in taking their interior design hobby a little bit further. Maybe they make want to make money part-time. Maybe they want to make money full-time. Maybe they want to just stop doing things for free for themselves or their friends and family. And they're like, hmm. I'm curious, could I make money at this? The webinar is called The Three Secrets of Becoming an Interior Designer Who Makes Money. If you're interested, if you have questions, please join. It's going to be 45 action-packed minutes of me sharing tips with you, giving you actionable takeaways that you can start doing right away to be on that path to becoming an interior designer that gets paid. There will also be a portion for Q&A. So if you have questions, you can ask them of me right then and there. I will answer them live on the spot. It's going to be a very lively and exciting 45 minutes. You will not want to miss it. In order to register, you just want to go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash webinar. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash webinar. Right there, you'll just click and you can sign up. You can get the link and you'll join us on our video meet. And I can't wait to video meet so many of you.
All right, guys. Well, a lot of questions have been coming in, like I shared with you. Everybody, including at my interior design firm, gets the itch to design right about now. This is our busy season. October is always a booming month for us where people really get into gear and want to take their place to the next level. And from the looks of my mailbag, you guys are feeling the exact same way. So let me optimize our time together and dig in and answer your questions. The first question today comes from Emily. Emily is writing from Sterling, Virginia, and she says, Hi, Betsy. I'm starting work on a nursery, and I'm thinking about putting framed artwork over the changing table. Is this a bad idea? You've covered nursery design before, but I don't remember any episodes covering where design ideas meet safety concerns. Are there other safety concerns when designing a nursery? Thanks. Oh, goodness, yes. Goodness, yes. So I would never put anything framed over a changing table. And a frame means something, you know, like a hard edge, right? It could be framed canvas that wouldn't necessarily have glass. It could be a framed picture, even if it's not glass, if it's an acrylic or plastic that covers the artwork. Because the little ones, while they're there laying down on their back, getting their diaper changed, can kick, can pull, can grab things, things they, of course, wouldn't be able to normally reach. So I prefer to do something like a macrame. I prefer to do something maybe just stretched on canvas or a decal is always nice because then it's just stuck to the wall and they can't pull it down. If you feel really confident that you want to do something framed above a changing table, I would make sure that it's screwed into the wall at all four corners, or at least top and bottom, that it cannot move in any way, which typically damages the frame and makes it look less sophisticated. Then you'd have to use some wood putty or something to fix that. But I would want to make sure that no matter how it gets bumped or jostled, it would never come down. That's the most important thing. Even with the macrame, you're going to have the dowel rod at the top. There are things you want to be mindful of and make sure that they're very secure. Uh, so personally, decal is my favorite way to go above a changing table. Then you also want to be mindful above a crib, right? If initially the baby comes home and is just lying flat, we want to be thinking that that baby could possibly be in that crib for two or three years. And by that time, they're standing up, pulling on things again. So I like to be mindful that I don't want any framed piece above a crib either. We go back to the macrame, back to the decal, back to something soft, like even a tapestry. Um or even maybe mural wallpaper behind that area. I do like to use a piece of artwork, a piece of framed artwork on a wall where it can be hung appropriately high so they can't pull it down. But I'm always very mindful of can they reach? Can they jump? Could they climb on something? Speaking of climbing on something, we of course want those anti-tip kits so that you can fasten even something like a three-drawer dresser to the wall. You want to be very careful with bookshelves, dressers, even nightstands. In a room with a child where a child has access, I really recommend those anti-tip kits. Uh, you can buy them separately from the furniture online at Amazon, or of course, most of them come with the furniture. Uh, what's another thought that I have? I mean, there's lots of baby tips, and I highly recommend if you're really serious about this, that you hire someone like a baby proofing company. But as a designer, I tell the other designers I work for, you know, no glass, 
in a baby room at all. They could jump on the piece. They could, you know, fall, things like that. I don't love hard edges. So I'm always asking myself, is it rounded? And I'm always imagining that the child could knock it over. So with a table lamp, I'm not going for anything ceramic. I would go for an acrylic base or a metal base. You just want to think about that worst case scenario. For a floor lamp, I like something that has like a tripod base, which makes it much harder to knock over. Uh, You just want to be thinking about all the different permutations of what that baby could do in the future, even though the baby's not doing much right now. That newborn is not moving, not rolling around. Soon it will be. And what kind of things could it get into? What kind of things could it lift up? What would be a problem? So I really love woven textures, but you want to be careful because some of them can be sharp if they're too baskety. I really like canvas bins that have handles so that they can pull it down themselves and you don't have to worry about any hard edges. Um, I love soft rugs, but I avoid anything too plush because then the baby could, you know, lose things in the fibers like Cheerios or sometimes those Thicker, shaggier rugs do tend to shed. So your baby's drooling on her little hands and then she touches the rug and she lifts those drooly hands up and there's fibers all over it that she then puts in her mouth. Ugh, cringeworthy when I see a shag or a flocati on the floor in a nursery. If you want to have that sumptuous soft texture, do an amazing throw blanket that you drape over the glider. Do a little flocati over the back of the glider but I really avoid it as a rug with a little crawler, little drooler. So those are just a few things that come to mind. I'm sure there's lots, lots more. But again, you know, Googling safety tips for kids' rooms or even paying a professional is just so worthwhile. I remember when I had babies, I lived in Park Slope, which is the land of babies. And there were so many services that would come to your home and point out all these things that you would never imagine could be a harmful situation that would need to be secured or changed. So consult with the pros, but those give you a few tips to start with. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Next question is coming from Deborah. Deborah is writing from Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I was just talking about Park Slope. Represent Deborah. 
And Deborah is writing, Betsy, I currently live in an apartment. I was thinking of getting a chaise type sectional similar to the, this one from Joybird. The pictures attached below. My question is, do I place the chart, the chaise part up against the wall or use that wall for an end table? In that case, the chaise would stick out a bit into the room, but there is plenty of space for it. Then I could have both end tables for drinks. Or do you prefer sofa tables like this one from West Elm? Not sure I like the look or the thought of reaching back for my items though. Okay, so let's go with your first question. With a chaise sofa, this one from Joybird is very loud in this kind of salmon-y pink color. So I would want you to reconsider your upholstery choice. But, um, you know, I don't tend to butt the chaise up against the wall. I do like space. I would be open to having an end table on that side. You just want to make sure it's the same height as the arm, right? Because sometimes the arms on those chaise sofas can be like a three-quarter arm or something like that, where it's almost the back of the sofa. And then it would look weird to have such a tall end table. In that case, on the side of this um, chaise, I typically like to do a floor lamp. I always like to mix it up personally and have an end table and an end table lamp on one side of a sofa, whether there's a chaise involved or not. And on the other side, have the floor lamp, right? Unless I'm doing a very traditional space that really calls for that symmetry, I think it's nice to have floor lamps in the mix because, of course, they typically provide more atmospheric lighting because they're tall and can kind of have a larger range with the light. But also, it's nice to have everything on kind of undulating levels. So the end table on top of the, or I'm sorry, the end table lamp on top of the end table is only a little bit higher than the sofa. But then the floor lamp is quite tall. So it gives us that sense of like an undulating space. It's why I love to incorporate bookshelves, but also have lower things. You don't want everything too tall, but you also don't want everything on that lower back of sofa height level. Uh, one example I like to share, which you may have heard on the podcast before, is thinking of your room as a panorama. People rarely buy panoramas of Iowa, no offense, Iowa, because everything's so flat and just plain, right? It's not dynamic and not visually interesting. People are more inclined to buy panoramas of, say, New York City, where there's some low parts, some high parts where you're seeing the skyline, but you're also seeing the West Village go low and the Empire State Building go big. That undulation is so interesting, not just in a picture format, but also spatially. So as you're designing your room, think low and think high. In terms of a sofa table, I understand your concern about reaching behind you. When I think of a sofa table, I think of it less as a place to service me while I'm actually sitting on the sofa. Like I wouldn't put my drink or my snacks or my book there because it is awkward to reach back. Rather, the sofa table is there as display, is there potentially for illumination if your couch is floating in the middle of the room and you need sort of a place to have a lamp, is there so that you don't see the back of the sofa. 
right? So if I'm approaching the sofa from the entryway and the back of the sofa is facing the entry door, it's nice to have a sofa table there. It's more welcoming than just seeing a wall of fabric. Or if you do have something like a chaise sofa where there's a seam in your couch, seeing an unsightly seam, which really bothers me. I don't actually mind seeing the back of a sofa if it's clean and unbroken, but it's when it has those sectional seams, those breaks that I start to feel less excited about it. So there we go. Sofa tables purely for display, not generally for snacking, drinking, book, etc. All right. Let me be clear on the book thing really quickly. The book I'm actively reading. I definitely display books on a sofa table, like coffee table books or something like that. But if I was reading my Kindle or my kid is reading Dog Man, we're not going to use the sofa table to throw it on there while we switch to snacking and vice versa. All right, there we go. Let's move to my next question. Next question comes from Kay, and she is writing from Dallas, Texas. She writes, hi there. Thank you so much for your show. I just love it. I am a new first-time homeowner, and I have a large open space in my kitchen that I am not sure what to do with. My style phrase is cozy boho. Sophisticated is, of course, implied. They're about 60 to 100 inches from the wall to the angled peninsula counter. The distance varies as you go along the angle, but there are about 100 inches from the counter to the back door. The windowsill is about 12 inches deep, but I do not want a window seat. I like to incorporate plants. I was thinking, maybe I could put a small two-person round table. I also have separate dining space and a separate space for three bar stools at the peninsula. I could also do a bar cart. I could also leave it open and just put no furniture there. I plan to put bamboo woven shades on the window and maybe also hang sheer-ish white linen drapes. I am open to other ideas. Please let me know your thoughts. All right, Kay, let's get into it. First things first, I completely agree with you. So many people, when they have a deeper windowsill, want to turn it into some kind of seating, right? They want to turn it into a window box where they'll put some pillows, where they'll read that book I referenced that earlier, or that Kindle, where they will have a custom cushion created. And my answer to that is no, no. The reason is because it would have to be more comfortable than sitting on the other furniture in the room. Why would I sit inside this window that's only 12 inches deep? Typically a seat is 18 inches deep. So my booty is not even gonna fit on here comfortably. Also, I'm gonna be pressed up against the blinds or pressed up against the glass. I'm gonna smudge the glass. I mean, it just doesn't make sense in most people's spaces, even if their window box is deeper, even if you do have the full 18 inches, like I have on my two bay windows downstairs in my living room, it just does not make sense. Nobody's going to sit there when you have the beautiful couch, the beautiful armchair, the day bed right there. Uh, so lots of my clients come to me with that dream. And the only person who winds up sitting there is the cat, right? The cat is the only one who enjoys that amazing custom cushion that they had made. Now, it's hard for me to tell you exactly what to do because I love to use my floor plan software. I love to check my math. I always subtract for baseboards, right? It can be deceptive, and I don't want to assure you that something will work when there's math involved, especially because you mentioned the distance from the peninsula, you mentioned the angled wall, but I don't remember you referencing this door outside. You know, you need to accommodate the door swing. 
So the important things to keep in mind when you're trying to decide, do I put a table? Do I put a plant stand? What actually fits here? You want to think about the measurements of the piece. So we know that a small table, if it's going to fit one person, needs to be at least 18 to 24 inches, round or square. So if we know that that's the case, and I am saying at least, we need at least 30 to 36 inches to push out our chair without hitting something, right? So already we've got some math going. And then we're walking around this peninsula. So we need a walkway that's completely clear by 30 to 36 inches as well, right? So we know that we wouldn't want a walkway. And then if you only have 60 some inches there, and then a table that has a chair coming out because that violates our principles right there. So you want to do that math. You want to take those numbers you already know, the size of the table, the amount of room you need to pull out a chair or a bar or counter stool, because I know those are involved as well. Uh, what are some other measurements we need to keep in mind? Well, for this particular instance, it's really just about the walkway and the pushback. But also you want to keep in mind the door swing, right? So whatever the door's width is, is the amount of space it's going to need to swing into the space. And it's going to need to be unencumbered if somebody, you know, pushes out their chair after having their breakfast cereal and forgets to push it back in. You know, this door is going to hit that chair. We want to be very mindful and personally, just eyeballing this situation, I think the plants are the best way to go. Now, you could do a real plant stand because I don't love anything in a windowsill. Sometimes it just looks like tchotchkes or junk, right? It could tend to look very cluttered and we lose that sophisticated word. But a really beautiful sculptural plant stand would be fascinating here, especially if you can keep your plants alive. More power to you. And I think that it would also really break up all this cool color because right now the um, tile is like a gray, the walls appear to be like a bluish gray, the um, backsplash is like kind of a marble herringbone it appears, then the cabinets are a darker gray. We need to warm up this space. And green, while not purely a warm color like red or yellow or orange, does have yellow in it. So it is a warm type color in terms of bringing a little balance to the color palette here. And also it'll be so nice in this land of rectangles. Everything in these pictures has rectangles, rectangles, linear lines with the blinds, etc. We need to bring in some curves. We need to bring in some organic shapes. And I think plants and their leaves and their vines would do just that. So that's my two cents there. I hope it was helpful for you, Kay. Guys, keep those questions coming in. I love to answer them. And I would love to answer your questions about being an interior designer live. Join me November 3rd, 11 a.m. Eastern time for my first webinar. I know, guys, I'm plugging it a lot, but I'm very excited. And it's like throwing a birthday party. My birthday is just a few days after this webinar, by the way. It's like throwing a birthday party and being worried that no one will show up. I want you guys to show up. I want to help you. I want to answer questions. I want to share the tips that I've used over the 17 years. So please join me. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash webinar. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash webinar to sign up, to get your link and join us for our 45 minute discussion. Thank you so much, everyone. I'll be back with you next week. Bye. You 
you've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.